Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. Everyone, this is Rachel. Rachel, please approach the, the podcast recording studio. She can't hear you, but she can hear me. Now, the reason I asked you to come in here is because I was walking into the garage before, and just outside, I found a little baby lizard friend. You his tail can you guys caught. see that? No, it's not. It's not caught. He's been walking around. It's so little. It's oh so little. Look at this. Can you give us a hand for scale? Uh, Where'd you find him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- this lit- lizard is, see? He's walking around. He's fine. Body is like an inch long, maybe. Can you see that? Look at him. And it was right outside. It was right outside the, the garage here. And I was like, ah, ah. You know, normally with these guys, like, I like to leave them alone. But this was so tiny and seemed so catchable that <laughs> I was like, I got to get it. So I caught it in my hands. Wow. And then got our bug collector, which I use with my nine-year-old a lot. So I don't know if we want to save this for her to see. I, I don't want to torture an animal. Well, what? I don't know. But look how cute it is. Very often. <laughs> <laughs> adorable. Isn't that great? A little tiny lizard. I don't know if that is an actual like baby or if that's just a small one or whatever. But I texted Rachel. I was like, come to the garage right away. We'll be recording. But do it. <laughs> uh, because look at look at this it. He's- Brian, I don't think I've ever seen you so excited about anything. <laughs> I've never caught a lizard before, like especially not a teeny tiny one. I'm surprised you caught that in your hand. It wasn't easy. And then I did have a moment of panic when I brought it into the kitchen and was trying to transfer it to this and it fell like a couple feet <gasps> onto the ground and I was like, uh, but it's it's fine as far as I can tell. I mean, fine is relative after you've been captured by a being 300 times your size. But Look at this. Look at that. There it is. Wow. So what do we what do we do with it now? I don't know. I mean, we have those um, snail cages. Like we could put a rock in there and some water. Yeah. Do you have time to do that? <laughs> it's just mostly at work. <laughs> You're foisting lizard care okay. onto your your yeah, wonderful just so wife. We can keep him to show yeah. Yeah. Because I, I really want to show Audrey. Okay. Look at <laughs> tiny wags. This is lizard night now. Lizard night with Brian Wax. Yeah, look at that. Okay, I'm gonna hand it off now. Look, I did put okay. a little. See, just just so everybody sees, I put a little, little thing, little. You know, make sure there's air to get in. This has only been in here for like ten minutes tops at this point, too. But amazing uh, lizard. All right, lizard night. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, bye, gang. All right, Great bye. I wish I had more to say about lizards. I didn't grow up with lizards wandering around. I've been here for over eight years now, and. Still, every time I see a lizard, I'm like, oh, my fucking God, a lizard. What? And I, it's it's so great. I love it, especially like sometimes you get the real chonky ones. We have a real like large one that lives in our front yard and it's nice and, you know, it's uh, thick. And have you ever seen them do that thing where they get kind of startled and they do little lizard push ups? Have you ever seen this? Yeah. So it's there, you know, I'm big. I'm big. I'm scary. Move. Well, it's like the I'm big and scary, but also I'm horny move. 
you know, growing up in North Carolina, the little green anoles are everywhere. And we used to, the move is you catch them and then you make them bite your ear. So you have a lizard earring. Really horrific practice, but. Wait, wait, wait. You make them bite your, and then they latch on? Yeah, they'll like latch onto your finger. They'll latch onto your ear. It's just like a thing that you do when you're a tiny child of wanting to antagonize critters. It's not good. I don't endorse it. How long does it latch onto your ear for? I don't know, a little, like a couple of seconds. It's, a couple decades. It's just, it's just a thing that you would do. But they have, when they're like doing their horny slash I'm scary thing, they have like the red, they pop their little oh, red their thing little out. waddle thing. The, the yeah, like bubble yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Lizards awesome. are pretty sick. They're amazing. I love them. Hey, uh, I love people them so listening much. to this show, do you have a lizard? Send us pictures of your lizard. Thanks. Yeah. That's, that's the, the only the thing better. I want to use Twitter for. Just send, send lizard pics. Lizard pics. Sorry, you want to use what for? No, we're not doing this. You no, know, but it, it's not. But I don't understand what I literally don't understand what website you're talking about. I think this is. Oh, are you talking about? I think this is extremely uninteresting to talk about. I see. You're talking about X. Now I understand you. Finally. Anyway, we have a lovely guest who's bearing with us through all these these lizard shenanigans. Yeah, but you have to admit that was worth it, right? It was pretty cool. Yeah, I caught it with our little bug catcher. How does that bug catcher work? So, okay, this is a good question. So, it's got a little uh, thing up top. Uh, you know, it's clear. And then it's got a sliding platform on the bottom and a thing you can use with your thumb to slide the platform. So what you're supposed to do is put it on top of the bug and then slowly slide the platform like under the bug so you can then catch the bug and look at it. And we catch a lot of spiders and, you know, sometimes a beetle or two, depending on how fly-y they are, but mostly spiders. That's usually what it's used for in this house. Sick. Karen, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from New Jersey. Wait, hold on. Same. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Okay, we're about to get into a New Jersey tangent. We're about to get into it. Be as specific as you want to be with where you're from. I'm from central Jersey, like Monmouth County. Okay, cool. How about you? I'm from Pompton Lakes, which is like up up north. Okay. Okay. (sighs) I don't want to get into this whole fucking thing, but I, I hate the is there a central jersey discourse well yes, of course there is because i'm of from course there. there is yeah exactly <laughs> and it's like it's a state it has a north part a central part and a south but like even if you don't like the concept it has a central part what are you talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. so i feel like this is a fake internet argument that people make because they are bored mm-hmm. do you see lizards ever growing up karen i never saw a single lizard I mean, I grew up on on a farm well we didn't have a lot of animals but there was like wildlife so we had a lot of bugs and worms and birds and deer and I don't know, all kinds of animals, but not a lot of yes. lizards. Right. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't quite like deserty enough. Mm-hmm. Layton, do you want to ask your, your Jersey question that you like to ask New Jersey people? Oh no. Well, you know where this is going. I, I have family from Jersey. So, you know, I cannot claim true being from Jersey, but I have spent time there for you. Is it pork roll or is it Taylor ham? See, that's the thing. We never really ate either of them. So I, I don't know. That's a good answer. That's a good I don't answer. have a preference. Valid. I mean, that makes sense with Central though, because right, Brian, it's like a pretty evenly divided line between North and South. Yeah. Generally speaking, people up North say Taylor ham and people down South say pork roll, but it, it gets kind of muddied in the middle. And I've always felt like it has more to do with, it's not North, South exactly. It's more like proximity to Pennsylvania. And <laughs> if you- like, because Pennsylvania, you know, you have like scrapple and things like that. 
over there. So the closer, I've always felt like the closer you are to Pennsylvania, the more pork rolly. Okay. So I want to introduce the show, everybody. This is Late Night with Brian Wecht, which is a podcast for the Terminally Online, where basically we talk to people on the internet who are cool and make stuff. Nailing the intro, just like I nail segments. That one's Brian Wecht. This one's Late and Great. And mystery guest, would you care to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, Well, you wouldn't know this so far because we have not spoken about puzzles yet, but I am Karen from Karen Puzzles, and I have a YouTube channel where I make videos about jigsaw puzzles. That's amazing. So I wanted to introduce so early and abruptly because you said that you grew up in an area with wildlife. Mm -hmm. Were you really outdoorsy as a kid? Have you always been into puzzles? Like, I want to hear the puzzle origin story here. No, I, w- I was an indoor kid, 100%. Hell I was yeah. an internet kid from the very early of days of the internet. I guess puzzles are an indoor thing. I never really connected the two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just been doing puzzles my whole life. We always had them around. My mom would do them. And then slowly I started doing them on my own. And then recently, just like a couple of years ago, I was kind of bored with what I was doing online. So I thought I would just do some fun side videos about puzzles because that was kind of a unique hobby that I had and no one else was really like speaking about them or giving like strategies about them on YouTube. And then since then it's become my uh, full-time thing. That's That's amazing. (laughs) When you say your YouTube name, Karen Mm -hmm. Puzzles, do you think of that as a name like, hi, I'm Karen Puzzles, or is that like Karen and then a verb puzzles? See, that's the beauty. It can go either way. And you are agnostic about which which way it goes. Yeah, I think in general, people use it as a name. Right. This is Karen Puzzles. They call mm-hmm. you Karen yes. Puzzles. Right. So I guess this is a little bit of a reveal, but I see in the background, those are puzzles that you designed, right? Yes. Uh, these are the two that I've done with Ravensburger. That's so great. One came out last year. It's 3,000 pieces and one just came out this year. And it has these cutouts of giant jigsaw puzzle pieces within the puzzle, which was like my dream to do. And then working with Ravensburger, they made it happen. That is so great. I don't know the first thing about designing a jigsaw puzzle. I read your thread on like kind of putting it together, but I still don't fully uh, understand the approach. So like what was the bridge from like being a crossword, or not crossword, Jesus, a puzzle enjoyer into show some designer. respect. I'm lady. trying. Please, please. Sorry, I'm just puzzled. Yeah, <laughs> I would just be curious to hear about your approach to puzzle design on your puzzles. Yeah, I mean, I won't lie; it was not easy because I'm not like an illustrator. I don't really create my own artwork very much. Um, so for the first one, I knew that I wanted it to be very meta with like jigsaw puzzles, like a puzzle of a puzzle. And on my channel, one of the first things that I did and really got a lot of views was um, these gradient puzzles, which were made by the playgroup, who also have a relationship with Ravensburger. So we got permission for me to basically photograph their puzzles for my puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also just layered on things that kind of represent my internet journey. So we have the color swatches, which is like my graphic design background. And then this pencil holder up here was a DIY project back when I was doing DIY videos. And is that the one that's behind you on the shelf right now? It is. That's, that's the exact wow. one. There it <laughs> and is. And also the, um, the succulent in the orange pot 
is is right there. Oh, wow. there it is. Look at that. That's so great. <laughs> that's awesome. And I love it. It has your picture right there. Yeah, that's me right up right mm. up front. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then, sorry, the second one. I don't want to be taking credit for this image. I basically made a sketch, and then we worked with a 3D artist who really brought it to life, and he did an amazing job. So I basically art-directed that one. What what does meta mean on it? So how does that one work? It's because it has the cutouts within the puzzle. That's just kind of the name that we gave it in case we decide to make more in the future. We have sort of a brand to put them under. And also, these are sold in Barnes & Noble, and so if someone doesn't know me and they're just walking past, they can be like, oh, look, there must be something weird and different about this puzzle. Well, I would think the, you know, the, just the number of pieces is unusual by itself, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing that 1,027. Yeah, and that's another indication that there's something else going on there. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Brian, hmm. puzzle questions from you. You're the, you're the puzzle master of this show. I am, I am indeed the puzzle master. So occasionally puzzles. Yeah. So let me provide some context, Karen. So I've done a lot of puzzling, but not jigsaw. Like the the stuff I do as a a constructor and solver is, I would say it's like crossword adjacent stuff. Mm So I, I don't consider myself like a crossword constructor, but I write puzzles that are like, oh my God, what am I even looking at? Got to figure it out. And then it yields some kind of answer. So it could be, you know, my favorite example is something like you look at a bunch of squiggles on a page. You're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And then there's a way of parsing the information such that it reveals an answer. Mm -hmm. See, I hate that kind of puzzle. Mm -hmm. I hate not knowing what the outcome is going to be or what the result is going to (laughs) be. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's very much just a personal taste type thing. I, I, I love the feeling of having no idea where something is going. Personally. No, that's too many possibilities like, for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like for, for I think for, for a lot of people too, but I'm very used to banging my head against the wall with music, with physics, like uh, all the stuff like that and being unclear if it's ever going to get anywhere. A lot of those kind of puzzles, when someone else writes them, sometimes you just stare at them for five hours and then walk away. You don't know what's mm-hmm. happening. But I, I know very little about jigsaw puzzles. My big question about Jigsaw puzzle construction is, is, is that the, that's the blanket term? Am I getting that right? Jigsaw puzzles? Is that what you would call it? I think so. Depends on where you're going with this. Okay. Well, my question is, when you're building them, how do you ensure uniqueness of the pieces? So let's say you, you have a piece of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. There should be one place that that piece can fit. So when you're designing the cut of the puzzle, if that's the right word, how do you make sure that's true? Or do you just say, okay, well, with the visual information plus the size, you know, the shape of the piece, that's going to be good enough. How do you do it when you're, when you're cutting a puzzle? For me personally, I've never designed a puzzle cut because Ravensburger did that from their end on the puzzles that we released. But when you think about a puzzle, there's really only two pieces of information that you have, right? There's the picture and there's the shape. And so you just need to make sure that one of those, I mean, ideally both of them, but at least one of them has to be unique or else you're going to get what's called false fits, where a piece seems to fit, but then it doesn't actually fit there. And so that's usually the mark of a cheaper puzzle or a puzzle that's not as well made or not as much thought has been put into it. It's like you don't know exactly when, like when you put Mm -hmm. two pieces together in a good puzzle, you should know. It's like, yeah, that's right. And it's the bad puzzles when you put them together and you're like, is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I've done a handful of puzzles that have a lot of false fits and it's always really frustrating. But I mean, for the most part, usually 
either the picture or the cut is unique enough that you're not really going to have that issue. Yeah. I was just trying to, so I, I spent uh, the last week hanging out back in New Jersey with my sister, who's still in Jersey City, and we were doing a bunch of jigsaw puzzles. And I was reminded of, and I'm curious if you know what this is, or maybe there's a million things like this. Back when I was a kid in the 1940s, the uh, there were these puzzles. That it was like in like the Hammocker Schlemmer or like Sharper Image type catalogs. Oh, it was like Signals. I think it was in there too. World's Hardest Puzzle. Yeah, there have been a lot of puzzles that have tried to claim to be the world's hardest puzzle. <laughs> I assume so. I remember it was red. Okay. And I could be making this up. The border was not like straight lines, that the border was, mm. you know, puzzle pieces. So you didn't really know what the what the mm. boundary was. But I'm A, I could be completely misremembering that. But I'm very curious about this like world's hardest puzzle kind of thing. I have a lot of solid red puzzles. I have a collection of solid colored puzzles. Oh, nice. And the color that everyone loves to do is red. I don't know specifically which one you're talking about, but there was a series released by Buffalo Games called the World's Most Difficult Jigsaw Puzzle Series. And what they did was they printed the same image on the front and the back. On the back, it was rotated by 90 degrees. And also they cut it from the front and then also they cut it from the back. And so you genuinely can't tell like from the bevel on the side, which side is up or down. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. What is even the approach to solving that? Trial and error. Yeah, I've done one that was a Sudoku image on a jigsaw puzzle, but it was also all of those things that I just talked about, <laughs> and it was so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Then it's just like, I feel like it's just a, a willpower exercise, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you just have to be willing to put up with tremendous failure for a long time until you actually get to do it. You're basically just challenging yourself to how much pain. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a line. As listeners of this podcast will be familiar with. (laughs) A lot of commenters who aren't as familiar with puzzles think that, you know, if you have a puzzle with a ton of false fits, that's one solid color, that's automatically the hardest puzzle in the world. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe, but it's not fun. It's not clever. You know, I like things like that, where they add a lot of different elements that are interesting and still solvable, but difficult to get there. Yeah, totally. It seems like you gravitate towards gradients a lot. Oh, I love gradients. (laughs) (laughs) When I used to do a lot more puzzles, I always liked very like densely packed details of just a bunch of different things going on because I like analyzing an image like that. But I'm sure you said that you have background in graphic design, right? Mm -hmm. I have great color vision. I just love sorting (laughs) by color and then just really quickly throwing them all in order. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that's very satisfying. Yeah, I I know people who are colorblind uh, do not enjoy gradient puzzles. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I bet. (laughs) Like, are you part of a broader puzzle community of YouTube puzzlers? Yeah, I mean, there's a big puzzle community on Instagram, especially. There are a handful of other YouTube channels, but Instagram, since you can just share photos of, you know, your puzzles, a lot of people have puzzle accounts on there. So who are the big puzzle influencers? The people that I mostly know are also in the speed puzzling community because we've gotten to know each other at competitions. Here in LA, there's a pair of women named Tammy and Yvonne who are so fast. I've become friends with them over the years. And I see them at a lot of competitions and both of them are like objectively faster than I am. And I don't know how they do it. (laughs) 
And then my friend uh, Sarah lives up in Minnesota and she's going to be on my team at the World Jigsaw Puzzle Championships this year, which will be fun. She's also incredibly fast. I want to hear a lot about these competitions. So <laughs> yeah. there are speed puzzling competitions. Mm-hmm. Is this a like a national and international thing? Yeah, it's an international thing. They happen all over the world, especially Spain has a huge puzzling community. And so that's where really? the world championship is going to be. I know they have them in the UK. There are some really fast people from uh, the Czech Republic. So yeah, they happen all over. Are they designing puzzles specifically for the events? Just how does it work? Usually they'll get some puzzle company to sponsor them. So Ravensburger does a lot of the really big ones. And they'll basically, in secret, choose a puzzle. Um, for Worlds, they'll choose unreleased puzzles so that nobody has done them before. And then they basically just order you know, 100 of them or however many competitors there are. So you show up. Everyone has the same puzzle, but they're in an opaque bag. So you don't know what puzzle you're doing until the time starts. Yep. And then you have to open the bag, open up the shrink wrap, dump out the puzzle. That's all part of your time. And then you just race to see who can do it the fastest. How many pieces are the puzzles typically? Or it varies. For individual, it's usually 500. Then there's also pairs, which can be 500 or 1,000. And then for teams, it's 1,000. If you're solving a 500-piece puzzle by yourself, how fast will the fast people do that? Uh, I would say a good... Like average fast time would be about 45 minutes, but it depends on obviously what the picture is. Sometimes it goes faster, sometimes it goes slower. You know, if you had said almost any number, I would have believed (laughs) if you had said there's someone that can do a 500 piece puzzle in 15 minutes, I probably would have believed you that there's, you know, there's some people whose brains just are like, you know, who can just physically do it. No, there's this guy, Alejandro, who won worlds last year. He's from Spain and he can do them in like, 35 minutes. I'll have to double check the times, but it's like 30 something minutes. And he's so incredibly fast. And when you think about it, that's like a third faster than 45 minutes. So it's like a big jump. (laughs) That's crazy. So when you have duos or teams, I imagine this is probably like when you're just casually doing a puzzle with somebody else, but is there like sort of a division amongst the teams of like, okay, you're handling this part, you're handling this Mm -hmm. part. Like, how does that breakdown happen? Yeah. I mean, you can't really make your strategy until you're in the moment doing it. When I've practiced with my teams, I really like doing the edge. So we'll all start sorting. But then as we're getting towards the end, everyone will throw the edge pieces to me and I'll do the edge and everyone will claim what they want to do. Like, I'll do this red section or I'll do this blue section. And yeah, some people are better at really dense, like detailed images. Some people are better at colors and gradients. So it really just depends on the image. That's amazing. I would be so curious about the psychology behind like what causes people to gravitate toward, you know, in the in the way that you go for gradients and colors and that I might go for details or other people, mm-hmm. you know, are really good at doing edges or whatever else. Like, I'm very curious. I guess it it's just like an information processing thing or like learning styles. Yeah, I mean, it's fast because it's physical movement plus your brain basically recognizing patterns and being able to sort by color and then recognize like which images go together. But Mm -hmm. then you have to try to be efficient and not like spreading out too far or not having pieces far away from where they need to end up because it does take time every time you have to move a piece. Yeah. Mm. Is is this like an on-camera event? Are they like recording this and broadcasting it? 
I mean, I do. So the ones that I compete in, I make YouTube videos about. Um, A lot of people just record their own time lapses and put them on Instagram. And then for Worlds, uh, since that's like the big event, they do live streams of the entire thing. Right. What do people wear? Like whatever they want? Or is there like a uniform or... (laughs) Yeah, so if you're showing up to the World Puzzle World what is it, World Puzzle Championship, is mm-hmm. that what, what you call it? Yeah. What's your outfit? So for the team's day, you want to match your team. It's not required, but it is encouraged. Of course. And so I'm actually right now working on designing our team Hell t-shirt. Yes. Oh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You want to have like your own unique color. So right now we're deciding between like a purple or kind of a pinky mauve color. We're figuring that out. And then, yeah, whatever's comfortable for you. So like yoga pants, jeans, um, sneakers, however your clothing won't hinder you doing a jigsaw puzzle. So no like long flowy sleeves. You want to make sure your wrists are clear. (laughs) Yeah. You're not wearing like a a 19th century ball gown or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, part of me wanted to imagine everybody's in a three-piece suit because I think that would be cool. (laughs) Sunglasses. Like, why not? No, you need to be able to move. And (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people uh, wear puzzle t-shirts. Of course. Lots of different like puzzle sayings. <laughs> oh, what are some puzzle sayings? Oh, yes. Please say some Ooh. puzzle sayings. I live on the edge. And then it's just like... <laughs> oh, that's a good floor. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's terrible. Don't enable that. <laughs> oh, somebody had a funny one recently that was like, there are a thousand reasons why I'm not paying attention to you or something like uh-huh. that. <laughs> or like, I puzzle past my bedtime, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> are people pretty nerdy? Or are there like bros? Who <laughs> puzzle are bros? Puzzle bros. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking. Because <laughs> any kind of competition, mm-hmm. there's going to be some, you know, jerk guy who's like, oh, I'm going to fucking crush this, man. <laughs> you know, I haven't really run into that. Everyone's been really nice and fairly nerdy and, you know, quiet and introverted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it a, a mix of men and women or is it fairly, you know, female oriented? Yeah. So women actually tend to do better in these competitions. Um, it's hard to know whether that's just because more women do puzzles and therefore practice and sign up for these things. There are some men who compete. Uh, like I just said, Alejandro is like sure. the top of the game, but it's actually more women than men for the most part. That's kind of the the vibe I got just from the Instagram people you were just talking about. I was like, oh, that seems a very like female driven kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There must be puzzle bros out there. <laughs> yeah. And if not, you will become the puzzle bro, Brian. <laughs> I, I see that future for you. That's right. That's my new YouTube channel, The Puzzle Bro. <laughs> Is Ravensburger like top of the line? Is that what you would consider like... You know, people doing it at the highest mm-hmm. level. Well, well, Ravensburger is like the international standard, I would say, of like a solid, high quality puzzle. I would say there are some kind of niche, smaller brands making smaller runs of like super high quality puzzles, mm-hmm. but not at the scale that Ravensburger is. So it's just a different market that they're hitting. Yeah. But how do they cut them? I know some are lasers, right? What's the process of making it? Yeah, I think for the most part, it's like a die cut. So like a metal blade that's specifically shaped to the entire puzzle cut and then they just stamp it down onto cardboard by the way i said i know some are lasers like that's a thing i know which i 100 percent do not <laughs> i mean a lot of wood puzzles are cut by lasers now okay great so i wasn't totally off base on it yes oh so it's like a big uh, right a die cut so you just mm-hmm. push the thing down and then it cuts that's awesome yeah so ravensburger has their own in-house factory in Germany. Um, A lot of the other companies just use factories in China. 
Yeah. Has there been any missing piece drama at a puzzle competition? Like where people almost get done? There's like a specific rule if you have a missing piece. Basically, if you finish your puzzle and there's one piece missing, you note your time and you look all around for it. And if you find it, you know, on the floor right away, then great. That's your final time. If not, you add 10 seconds to that time and then that's your final time. Oh, wow. So sometimes pieces go missing. Sometimes, right, you happens. know, as you're opening it, pieces just go flying and you don't know where they went. It's not always, you know, the manufacturer's fault, although sometimes it happens. So, but basically, you know, you just try to be um, honest about it. <laughs> right, right. So I went to treatment earlier this year, which, you know, is a very boring thing to do. And so I did puzzles while I was there. And that was the first time I did puzzles in like a decade because you can't, you know, you don't have phone, you don't have TV, TV, whatever, you just do your puzzle. What's best practices for dissembling a puzzle and keeping it intact? Because I left those puzzles there for future residents of the house, but I, I was definitely um, ripping that shit apart to shove back Puzzle the etiquette is what you're asking about. Yeah, so to future residents who try to do the Pokemon puzzle, sorry about that. But but yeah, what what is, is the general yeah, move? Pikachu has a mustache now. <laughs> it depends on where the puzzle is. I'd say in your case, since other people are going to be doing them, it's right to take it all apart and leave it ready for them. For me, since on the channel, I'm always referencing old puzzles that I've done, I break it apart into sections that stack up in the box. And then later on, if I need to pull it out and reference the puzzle again, I have it all ready to go. Mm -hmm. That's smart. To me, puzzles remind me of like a thing I did with my family. And I think they have this very like wholesome kind of vibe about them where it's like, hey, let's, you know, together we're solving them as a family. And I remember having these big puzzles, like these, you know, 3000 pieces that I do with my mom. And we just chip away at it over time and leave it on the dining room table. So I didn't think about it until right now, but I always think of jigsaw puzzles as like mm -hmm. fun times with the family as like something everybody can contribute towards. Yeah, I think that's the case for most people. For me personally, and like a lot of the people that I know in the community, we genuinely cannot walk away from a puzzle until it's done. And we can sit there for like hours and hours and hours just working on it. So I think once you reach that level, you see puzzles in a slightly different way. But I've gotten like some custom puzzles made of my family. And so I would bring them home. Oh, like Aww. pictures of your family. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So I'd bring them home for Christmas and my mom and sister wouldn't let me help them with it because they said I would go too fast. <laughs> right. Because you're, you're too good now. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I'm like cut out from the family bonding time. Oh, that's when you just sit back with a cocktail and be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, that, that's when I hover and be like, I see where that piece goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the yeah, true puzzle exactly. master. So when you're not making content for your channel, when you're doing puzzles, like when you're doing just a chill hangout puzzle. Do you like to watch something or listen to something? Because oh, that's like question. my favorite part about doing mm -hmm. a little intricate thing like that is just having something on. Like what do you gravitate towards? Yeah, I do so many podcasts. I listen to so many podcasts. All right. Hit us. Go what do you off. like? Oh, uh, this was going to be my recommendation though. You're stealing oh, it from oh, your future okay. segment. Oh. Okay. That's fine. But I also um, am just constantly watching Gilmore Girls on a loop because I don't uh, have to be watching the screen to know what's happening. I just can listen to it. So that's another yeah. thing that I do while puzzling. That seems like a perfect fit for puzzle. Like I've never watched percent. it, but it seems like cozy, chilling out media. Mm -hmm. Especially when you've seen the entire show 
15 times and you know like you can predict (laughs) even what line is coming next you can just kind of tune it out as you're puzzling yeah when you need just noise going in Mm -hmm. the background which I'm sure is well, probably well, not good I mean, for us long term. But you know, propose I'm something the same here. way with my uh-huh. Hmm? Oh, sorry, I totally hmm? talked over you. Please continue with whatever. Oh no, yeah, talk over saying. the women on the call, Brian. Very cool. That's of what right? I. Very... That, that's what I do. I'm a cool guy who likes to do cool things. So please, please, Layton, keep talking. No, I'm done. Okay, great. What I, I was going to say, you yield. Uh, yeah. I don't like that you actually officially yielded. That that makes it less fun. I yield my time. I, I spent yeah. this morning watching the UAP Senate, not Senate. Uh, the, okay, the, well, the I want to hear. Hearing. Was it stupid? Okay, so as we've discussed several times, going into it, I was like, "This is absolutely going to be nothing. This is nothing." It's so funny watching the UFO community be like, "Today's the day, guys! I'm taking off work. It's disclosure." Obviously, it wasn't that, and my expectations were dirt. It was actually very interesting, and I was surprised by the like seriousness with which it was treated. There were no bombshells, though. Not necessarily. It's very much getting shit on record and like a mainstream people who aren't, you know, terminally in deep on the the lore, like getting up to speed. So it's not like there's anything particularly bombshelly, but the fact that it is being said under oath on record and especially claims, you know, because it is like David Grush, who's like the main whistleblower, and then there were two other guys, testified a lot. And a lot of the answers to the questions are like, I can't speak to that because it is classified information, but we can do a skiff off of this where I can tell, you know, Congress people in private about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, really interesting stuff. A lot of talk about craft that was like a black cube in a clear sphere. And then another mm-hmm. one... That was, I ate one of those once, yeah. <laughs> another one that was just like a bright red square the size of a football field that approached a base very aggressively and then came back the next day. Talk of like retaliation against people who, you know, have tried to speak on things, including like grievous bodily harm on people. I, I mean, like I was really surprised by shit that came out and I thought the questions that were asked were generally really good. This is a congressional hearing, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like AOC was there and, you know. That's good. I'm glad people have nothing fucking better to do with their time than, than this. It's not like yeah, we have any pressing issues. Yeah. Well, it's it's like simultaneously cool and also disheartening that like, aside from some stupid pot shots at Biden in there that were unnecessary, even though, you know, deserve whatever fuck. Yes, of course. Uh, Let's go, Brandon, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but stop. Um <laughs> <laughs> just I, I feel like I never get to the point where I'm just like Brian stop this is one of those times mm-hmm. but it felt very nonpartisan. like there were definitely people on hard ends of each side asking stuff and talking and I thought that it was like pretty united in coming up on it as like if not uh, non-human intelligence as like security threats so I don't know. I, my Maybe it's just because my expectations were so fucking low that anything is like neat. But I was, you know, right. just watching it very intently. And I'm curious to see where it goes because there was also mention of stuff that like should be declassified and that there's no reason that it's not declassified, including like video, especially I really sound like I'm off it right now. But, you know, that's UAPs for you. But a lot of stuff about oceans, which is interesting. What, what about oceans? 
oh, that like there's a higher concentration of like they were talking about sightings in San Diego and how like there are a bunch of things. Yes, San Diego where where people are stoned all the time. Yeah, please continue. (laughs) I appreciate your skeptical rationalist view on this, Brian. It's much Mm -hmm. appreciated. But you know, there's there's speculation, and this is more of the like tinfoil hat stuff. There has been speculation forever that there are like bases underwater. But there was like a little bit of an allusion to like something happening in the hearing today. So, so there, there's a rumor that there's a major military base in San Diego. <laughs> is that that's what you're telling me? Sure, Brian, why not? Anyway, nobody asked me about UAPs. Who fucking cares? You know, I it's we've been doing this fucking back and forth for fucking ever of like, where's the evidence? Well, I know a guy who knows a guy. The only UAPs I'm interested uh, in right now are you assemble puzzles. Right. Right. If my dog was not actively right. trying to escape my grasp, I would give you a golf clap. Oh, I thought you were going to say you would shake your fists. No, me. I can fr- I can freely shake my fist. I, I, my other hand is firmly underneath a chihuahua who's very upset at me. Well, look, I want to hear about these podcasts. So should we move on to segments? Yeah. Okay, great. So Karen, our first segment on mm-hmm. the show, this is our pop culture recommendation segment. This is where you get to talk about something you've been enjoying recently, a book, a movie, a video game, a podcast, mm-hmm. even. The name of the segment is called What's Poppin'? And unfortunately, I don't have the ability to play the theme song for guests, but the theme song will go here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? All right. Now I'll ask you the question that I always like to ask our guests who haven't heard the theme song, which is if you were to have heard it, what would you have thought of it? I think I did hear it because I listened to an episode of your show. Oh, what did you think then? Even better. <laughs> um, it, it was fine. Great. High <laughs> I, praise honestly, indeed. I listened to it a while ago, so I don't remember what it sounds like. So I could have just pretended that I had never heard it. <laughs> Perfect. No, I think that was that was a great answer. And what can I say? You didn't remember it being terrible. So therefore, you remember it being great. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's how it always works. That's how that works. <laughs> that's how that works. Okay. Uh, Layton, what's popping? What's popping for me is something that I talked to you about yesterday on a mini-sode, but, you know, mm-hmm. there are only so many people on our Patreon, mm-hmm. and if more people want to get on the Patreon for access to weekly bonus mini-sodes, as well as video versions such as, hi, I'm waving right now, audio listeners can't see it, I'm also doing <laughs> other, fucked. you know, like, uh, visual oh, yeah. bits. Lots of, you're doing uh, what we call in the business, hand stuff. There, <laughs> there's a dog here that you can't see if you're audio only. Anyway, oh, get on the Patreon. so mad. Oh, she's pissed. But, you know, I, I wanted to bring this recommendation to the wider general audience because it is just that good. There are a lot of like meme videos on YouTube that are like American football, but it's KK Slider or any other like retro gaming sound fonts for albums. But there is one that is Radioheads in Rainbows, and it's called In Rainbow Roads, In Rainbows Road. And it's in the Mario 64 sound font. And it's genuinely so well-constructed, so beautiful. Like, it is an incredible rendition of that album and is really creative with the way that it uses sounds. And I was uh, up at 4.30 this morning driving around and listening to it full blast. (laughs) 
pretty obnoxious of me, but it's great. I can't recommend it enough. And there's also one for OK Computer that I've been saving for a rainy day because I want to be able to experience that like full noise canceling, not not doing some other stupid task or video game. Like I want to actually sit and just listen to music, which does not happen a lot. Yeah. So that's what's popping for me. I was thinking about that too. I feel like I don't do enough just sitting and listening to music without other shit going on anymore. Gotta do more no. of that. I used to be a lot more, you know, discovery based of like, ooh, what is this? Yeah. I'm going to check this out. And I, me talking about only listening to Radiohead for like the third fucking year in a row. One, one thing I, I miss doing that I used to do in college when I had access to a big library was I would go to the classical section, pick out a rando score. I didn't know. And then see if they had the, you know, this is pre-streaming, see if they had the CD and just go sit down, look at the score, listen to the piece and found a lot of like really cool, weird stuff that way. Cause you know, most, most of that stuff, like you're just never going to hear about otherwise. Uh, Karen, what's potting? <laughs> what? 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 Don't, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like you know me. I can look at you any way that I want to, Brian, and that you'll only be able to see the way that I'm looking at you if you join our Patreon now at <laughs> patreon.com slash late night. Yes. All right. Anyway, Karen, what's popping? Okay. I thought about which podcast I wanted to recommend. And the one that I've been listening to every single episode is called Pod Meets World. And it's the Boy Meets World rewatch oh podcast uh-huh. from uh-huh. the actual like actors who are on the show. Okay. And it's so good and so well-researched. And I've been learning so much about how TV was made in the 90s. And when they do the episodes where they like watch and discuss an episode, I'll literally like watch the episode scene by scene along with them so I can notice uh-huh. all the little things that they say. <laughs> That's great. Boy Meets World is something I missed out on entirely, probably because of my age more than anything. Well, tell me about Boy Meets World. People lo- I know people love this show. But like, what's mm-hmm. the deal with the show? It's like a coming of age kind of thing or what? Yeah. So it was on for seven seasons. So it basically follows Corey and his friends from being in elementary school all the way to college. They do some time jumps in there. But yeah, it's just very like clever and well-written. And it kind of changes tone throughout the show. Like the first season is very different from the rest of the show because it was more of a kid's show. And then they mm-hmm. aged it up. But I mean, I never watched it when it was originally on. I was a little young, but then it it had a whole second life in reruns. And so that's when I got Mm. into it. (laughs) That's nice. I know a lot of shows are doing the like retrospective podcast recaps. Is there one for Gilmore Girls? There's one by some guys who were not on the show, but they watched watched it for the first time. And and then there's a woman on TikTok who worked on the show behind the scenes and basically just makes videos with all this new behind the scenes info. That's awesome. I think Jason Manzukis has one he does called Gilmore Guys. Yeah, that's the one <laughs> I was talking about. <laughs> is that a Jason Manzukis one? Let's see. It is. Oh, no, it's uh, it's Demi. Demi uh, Adegini, oh. uh, who I love. I forgot that was his. Maybe Manzukis just talks about it. Yeah, Demi rules. I don't even know who was in Boy Meets World. No, neither do I. Well, Ben Savage was the boy, was Corey. Ah. Uh. He's now a politician. He's running for Congress or Senate or one of them. And then the people who are hosting the show are Daniel Fischel, who played Topanga, and Ryder Strong, who played uh, Sean, and Will Friedle, who played the brother, Eric. Gotcha. 
they've gotten like so many guests on the show, like the writers, the directors, all the like guest stars. (laughs) I love that. You know, I think we're very like oversaturated right now with the everybody hopping on that train, which is like fine because everybody likes TV shows and it's great to have like, oh, here's all this additional content. Like it's kind of hard to miss with that. Like it's an easy, easy Mm -hmm. win, but I'm sure it's nice for people. Well, I'm just glad that for a show that I feel so strongly about and that like means so much to me that the podcast is actually very well done. Yeah. I know... Brian, you're a regular listener of Office Ladies, right? I am. Hell yeah. Oh, I can talk about it. Uh, yeah, I like Office Ladies a lot. You know, I like The Office. I rewatched it before Office Ladies did a thing, although, you know, many years after the original was on and really loved it on the rewatch. Office Ladies, I think I love Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. They're super funny and cool. I have my quibbles with the podcast. There's some things where I'm like, you guys really don't know that? Or are you maybe pretending yes. to not know that? We have definitely discussed this on this show multiple times. Yes. And far be it from us two mediocre podcasters to cast any aspersions on any other podcasters. So, Well, I, I think together yeah. we make one good podcaster. <laughs> so questionable uh, yes no but i do i do like office ladies a lot it's actually the only like rewatch one i i, I mm. listen to but i have not missed an episode I mean, there's because the i think the two one. of them are oh i'm sorry of course you're right yes i do like that one a lot too the always sunny one is barely a rewatch podcast because yeah, sometimes they go through a, a whole podcast. episode and they're like oh fuck we didn't talk about the episode oh, this is a good one and it's fine because they're all super f- compelling people i think that podcast is vastly improved by the inclusion of megan gans uh, yes. who reigns Big them time. in and actually gives them some direction and focus. She's awesome. Great writer. And yeah. I think she adds a lot to that podcast because otherwise they just kind of go off into space and yeah. it's maybe less compelling. Great. Brian. Uh-huh. What's popping? Well, look, I've been talking about this a lot recently. I talked about it on the recent mini, but I'm going to talk about it again. I went to see the Sweeney Todd revival on Broadway. I talked about this on a recent episode of the show. And I've been listening to the original cast recording of Sweeney Todd, and it's just so fucking great. It's Len Carew, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, and of course, Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Lovett. And she is just the best thing ever. And everybody in this original production just completely crushes it. The orchestration, so the the revival has the same pit and orchestrations as the original production. It's this huge 26-piece pit. I think the orchestrations are some of my favorite in all of Broadway. It's just big and weird. It's got an organ and a bass trombone. It's like, it's so great. Uh, I love that musical, and I've just been like listening to the original cast recording nonstop. It's, It's incredible. So that's what's popping for me. And, and the songs are, I was talking about this on the, on the mini, somehow Sondheim writes catchy songs that occasionally border on like atonal insanity, but he manages to rein it in. His harmonic language is just my favorite thing ever. And I love the revival, but that original cast is just unbeatable. So that's what's popping for me. Sweeney Todd, original cast recording from, I don't know when exactly it recorded it, if it was 79 or 80. But it's incredible. So wow, that's it. Yeah. Well, that was the segment. What's popping? Now it's time oh, for our final segment. I think segment. I just got what an was... important text. I think I just what? got an important text. Lizard related? No. Better. Aww. 
Never mind then. Uh, I, friend of the show, David Calcano, just bought us tickets to see Devo on their 50th anniversary tour. Wow. So, did you guys not just see Mark Mothersbaugh? <laughs> we did just like see a Mark Mothersbaugh ago? thing, but that wasn't okay, a Devo but concert. But not Devo. I have never seen Devo perform live. Oh, I'm so excited for you, Brian. That's awesome. I am so excited. By the way, ancillary pop. There is a performance from the late 70s, I forget exactly, or maybe it's 1980, of Devo doing Girl You Want, I think on Fridays, which was like a competitor to SNL that I believe mm-hmm. Michael Richards was a part of way back when. You know, it's like, you know, a long time ago this was on and they do this crazy awesome performance of Girl You Want on that show, which you should really check out. So anyway. Sick. But yeah, I just got that. I knew they were on sale at 10 a.m. today and I just saw this text. And he nabs him. He got him. Y'all's concert buddy friendship is really touching to me. I love that. It's really great. We're going to see, actually, in about a month, we're going to see Meredith Monk. Do you guys know Meredith Monk? No. She is like an avant-garde choreographer and composer and really, really like cool, weird stuff. And she's playing at the Ford in late August. So I was like, who am I going to go see this show? Like, no one I know likes the weird classical stuff I like. And I was like, David, David will go see it. And I wrote him. And so David, uh, his wife, Linda, and I are all going to see Meredith Monk. And I'm very excited because I love her. And wow. she's 80 now and still crushing it and has just some incredible pieces from her career. So I'm excited to see that too. Cool. Well, that was What's Poppin'. What's Poppin' is over. Now it's time for the final segment. Oh, you know what? I, I want to say, I've been seeing people mm. say mm. online, mm. it's Jover with mm. Joe in the over, but I didn't understand what it was. So I was like, why is everybody saying it's Joe ever? What the fuck does that mean? Joe ever? What is Jover from? It's Jover. <laughs> like saying yeah. it's over, but it's it's Jover. I actually don't even know the word. So that's either. not a reference to something. It's just a way of saying over. It's Jover. Yeah, it's a picture of Joe Biden with his head down and it says it's Jover. <laughs> oh, I see. It's the, the Joe Biden thing was the... the yeah, context. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Let's but, go Brandon, you know, I was cetera, very confused. No, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I am so... <laughs> that was so aggressive. <laughs> it's so Joe ever. Um, anyway, now it's time for Peaches and Lemons, which is a segment where we each say three good, cool good things and one thing that is kind of annoying. And that's three peaches and one lemon. And that's, my name is fucking, Jared, please put the theme song here. Save me from this hell. Great, that was the theme song. Mm-hmm. Now we'll each start with one lemon, which is a thing that is a minor bummer or annoyance. I will go first. I kind of have two, but my first one, when I'm feeling really bad, I like to go to McDonald's and get a chocolate shake. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's if I'm going to feel bad, I should at least have a chocolate shake. But I went to McDonald's yesterday because I was feeling bad. And I got up to the speaker and they said that they don't have milkshakes. And they won't for a while. Why? Great question. But unable to stop myself, I audibly went, no! (laughs) (laughs) Was this true at just that McDonald's or every McDonald's? It was just that McDonald's. But it's always such a crapshoot. I live near a couple. Fucking WGA. And you never know. You never know. Because they'll be like, oh, it's broken. Or we don't have it right now. Right. Like, I get it. I get it. You don't want to make one. 
it's probably a gross machine, but my entire mental health is hinging on my ability to get a milkshake right now. Mm-hmm. My other one is this. This has been a problem. Someone keeps stealing our fucking trash cans. The whole trash can? Yes. This I have to order my third trash can this year because what? every single one of them will go missing. There's like five for the people in my complex. All of them. Multiple times gone. So I can't throw away my fucking trash. And it's... Who's taking our trash cans? Shit's hard. You know, we live in a city. People go through the trash. I'm not like a NIMBY. I have no problem with that. Like you take care of your sensitive documents, everything else, fair game, take it, whatever, whatever you need. But don't take my ability to put the trash outside away from me. Don't do that. Yes, I agree with you. So now I have to wait for a fresh trash can that's going to get stolen again. So I'm just going to spray paint my fucking address all over it. And then, like, I don't know, open the lid and spray paint a frowny face. Stop it. I just want to throw away my trash. All right, that was cathartic for me. Thanks. Uh, Somebody else, do a lemon. You can have more than one if you want. I don't care. Fuck it. Karen, do you have a lemon you'd like to squeeze on us? Yeah, I feel like mine is, um, I'm still really mad about how expensive Taylor Swift tickets are, even though she's (laughs) doing six nights in LA and the cheapest tickets are still like $800 for being behind the stage. And if you want to like try to get in on the verified fan, like whatever it is, there's like so many hoops to jump through and I'm just not doing any of that. And it sucks. Yes. Isn't it like the biggest tour ever? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's the biggest tour ever. Mm Mm-hmm. I just feel like I morally can't bring myself to spend like a thousand dollars on one yeah. single concert. No, of course nobody should. That's mm-hmm. for like predatory. what is surely going to be a miserable experience. <laughs> That's the other oh, no, thing. I, I think it would be great. Like once you get there, it's just like in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I spent a lot of money on this. Yeah, there and is... I don't. I, I mean that just in terms of like a concert that I spent ten dollars for and is small. I'm just imagining the amount of people that would be at it, and that's why I'm mm. saying that it would be miserable. Getting sure there. the actual show. Oh would yeah, be the great. logistics are a little miserable. <laughs> well, I'm sure yeah. the show she puts on is incredible. The experience of getting into that venue and then existing in that venue for however many hours seems like home. hell on earth. And mm-hmm. then go, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, absolutely not. And getting drinks. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that it's not easier to see Taylor Swift, if, you know, if you don't have a billion dollars. It's fine. I'll just watch it on uh, TikTok. There you go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Brian, what's your limit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll talk about this in my peaches, but I went on a trip over the weekend and uh, we got back. And it turns out even a small amount of jet lag is enough to send a nine-year-old into an emotional spiral the next morning. And so I had a, <laughs> a very sad little kid who didn't want to get up. And she went from like open mouth sobbing to singing along to Kesha in the space of about five minutes. Oh, mood. Uh, and I was like, it's just amazing to watch a human being ping pong that rapidly because of a three hour time difference. But all the sympathy in this world for this amazing kid who just was going through it yesterday morning because we got back from a trip and she had too much fun and, you know, now has to recover. So that's my lemon. It's just, I had a sad little kid yesterday. Jet lag does that to jet you lag does that. as an adult also. There's this amazing honeymoon period with jet lag, depending on how you time it, where you're getting up like really early for a few days and you're like, fuck, this is awesome. I love it. 
then you catch up and you get back to your normal schedule and you're like, God damn it. So I'm still in that honeymoon period where I'm waking up a little earlier than normal and I'm getting stuff done in the morning and I love it. But that's going to go away. What time are you waking up? Like six. Normally I wake Ugh. up like 6.45, 7. Hell so, yeah. But you're, I mean, you're an early riser these days, right? <laughs> I wake up at 4.30 on the dot with no alarm. I never thought I would be at this point in my life, but I am. You, and you know what? Rules. I love a 4.30 wake up. That is like a great time to wake up as long as you've gotten enough sleep. It's dark. Yes, it's dark. You can drive around LA and it doesn't take any Nobody's time to get out. anywhere. Yep. The only place it's open is like Starbucks. There's like one Starbucks yep. that opens at 4.30. And I see so many coyotes, which is awesome. I just like to see them. They're nice. Yeah. I mean, they're not nice, but then, you know, I have a small, I, I have coyote food right here. But waking up that early is great. It's just that I, yeah. you know, have a, have a weird schedule in general. And I have the luxury of being able to nap at some point in the midday. And that's the only thing that makes that feasible. So yeah. I feel like 7 a.m. is the most respectable wake up. Also, a million times on this show, people have been like, I sleep until 12 and I feel bad. Because it's like being shamed for sleeping in is a thing that happened to me for most of my life. So I just mean that in terms of like my personal standard of feeling good about myself, a 7 a.m. is like, okay, I feel We're okay not shaming anybody for their sleep habits. We're for just saying times, that yeah. this one works for you. The, I was going to say the only acceptable time to go to a Starbucks is between 4.30 and 6 a.m. All their times are trash. That's the best yeah. time to go to a Starbucks. End of story. Yeah. Wow, that's a hot take. I've never heard that one. It's a hot, hot take for an iced coffee. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, it's like nobody's there. Oh, I should, no, sorry. For- hot take for a cold brew is what I should have said there. All right. Okay. No, it's like the whole parking lot will be construction trucks and it's just like a bunch of dudes hanging out. Like, it's a good vibe. <laughs> yes. And not just like jam-packed, like here's a million mobile orders and everyone is so stressed out. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for peaches. We each do three peaches. Did I say this already? I don't know. I don't know. We each do three peaches. They're three good things. Uh, I can go first. Well, jumping off my last of my lemon, uh, we did get back from an international trip to the wonderful land of Canada. And we had a great time and saw a lot of good friends, including people in the band Torp, who wow. I love dearly. And it was it was no fuck those guys. Yeah, they're bad guys. Bad bad guys. Well, there's three bad guys and one good one, and it's not the one you think. That's (laughs) all I'm going to say. It's not the one you think. Man, can we have a supercut of every time we've called people that we love dearly and think are wonderful people bad people on this show? It's it's getting a little egregious at this point, but not a little wrong because it's right. So I yeah took the whole family to Canada. That was great. Also on this trip, peach number two, is that prior to Canada, I was back in the great state of New Jersey and always happy to be back in the land of decent pizza, real bagels, and good mid-priced Italian food. So, you know, I was in Jersey City pretty much the whole time. Did pop into New York, as I said, to go see the Sweeney Todd revival. And uh, it was nice to be back. I always like going to Jersey. I went to a supermarket, so my 14-year-old niece is very into this supermarket called Stu Leonard's. Have you guys ever heard of a Stu Leonard's? I had not either, but it is a supermarket with animatronics all oh. over it. All over it. It's essentially like a theme park. Oh, and yeah. it's honestly like she was raving about it like it was the greatest place ever. What is this called again? Wait, say it again. Okay. Stu Leonard's, S-T-E-W, like chunky soup. Leonard's like Leonard from Community, and it is a supermarket with animatronics in it. 
and there's like singing chickens and avocados that go, where avocados, where avocados. What in the five nights at Freddy's? So my niece was saying, this is the greatest place ever. I really want to go. So I took her to Stu Leonard's and she was 100% correct. It was the greatest place ever. Like yeah, it's it's awesome. it's weird because it is like an IKEA style supermarket in that there's a path you follow through. You don't have to take the path, but clearly there's like one thing that like snakes its way through the store and products are not in any like reasonable order that you would guess. At least that made any sense to me. They have a lot of prepared foods, baked goods, you know, like prepared meals, stuff like that. They have a lot of their own brands. So if you want your, you know, whatever, they, they it's not only their own brands, but they have a lot of other stuff too. I have to say I was pretty impressed. By Is the this store. a only Jersey thing? Apparently it started in Connecticut, which yes, Connecticut sucks. We all know this. And then you can find some in Jersey and I'm sure there are probably some in like, you know, Southeastern New York or something too. I assume that this has been around for a while, but if at least one good thing can come out of like children's obsession with Five Nights at Freddy's is that we get more goddamn animatronics. I fucking love animatronics. They're so fucking cool. Put them everywhere. Put them everywhere. Put them at the pharmacy. (laughs) I want a talking sertraline container to tell me I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) Well, here you can watch, you know, like chickens be like, kill it, need us, you know, or essentially (laughs) saying stuff like this. It's pretty great. Awesome. So yeah, happy to be back in New Jersey. And finally, my last peach, because I'm going to talk about this. I guess I'm just talking about musical theater right now, is this weekend we are going to see not one but two Sondheim things. We're going to see the production of Into the Woods. That's here at the Amundsen, which, by the way, I had tickets for, bought months ago. Then we had to go on this trip, and I couldn't get anyone to take them. So I just, like, I'm out 200 fucking bucks for tickets. But I heard it's a great production. So I bought more tickets. So we're going to go see Into the Woods. And then there's a Hollywood Bowl concert called Everybody Rise, a Sondheim celebration with lots of people, but most notably Patti LuPone, who is one of the true geniuses and extant stars of musical theater and uh, a bunch of other really cool people as well. Sutton Foster also. And it's going to be really, really fun. And that'll be Audrey's first uh, Hollywood Bowl. Oh, that's exciting. Karen, what are your peaches? Okay. Peach number one, I had some visitors recently and we were moving the couch so that we could set up the air mattress and under the couch, we found what I thought was a missing piece from my 9,000 piece puzzle. (laughs) Nice. Oh my God. (laughs) But I have another missing piece and now I have to like tear the living room apart to see if that one is just hiding somewhere (laughs) too. (laughs) Tragic. How long does a 9,000 piece puzzle take you? I'm up to... I think 70 hours or so, and I still have wow. a little more to go. Holy shit. It's the shit. elven ring of puzzles. <laughs> okay, what's my other peach? Um, I recently went to what we called Puzzle Camp, which was uh, a bunch of us puzzlers all got a, a cabin up in Big Bear for a weekend to celebrate nice. our friend's birthday, and we did nothing but puzzles all weekend long. It was great. That is so great. That's wonder- How many puzzles did y'all do? Oh my God, we have the stats somewhere. It was like 30,000 pieces in total. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. That's great. And your third peach? Um, I guess mine's that I'm also going to New Jersey very soon. Hell yeah. Um, for a visit. And I'm excited to go in the summer because I love visiting in the summer because it's nice and warm. 
And then when I go home over the holidays, I'm frozen the entire time because mm-hmm. I don't have real winter clothing anymore. Well, and also New Jersey in the summer, you get amazing produce, right? You get mm-hmm. those tomatoes, which are incredible, mm-hmm. right? You get some good corn, really good Jersey corn. I don't corn. like tomatoes or corn. So all that's wasted on me. <laughs> Wait, so if you don't like corn and tomatoes, like what vegetable are you super into? I eat a lot of carrots and nice. I like cantaloupe and blueberries and strawberries. Hell Jersey yeah, blueberries. respectable picks. Mm-hmm. I believe blueberry is the New Jersey state fruit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. What's New Jersey state bird? <laughs> Patreon.com slash late night. Boy, Brian, you fucking knocked that one out of the Boom. park. Uh, gorgeous. I feel like I saw a tweet recently from the New Jersey governor, though, talking about the state bird. So I think we do have one. I just don't know what it is. There must be an actual state bird. Yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in that. It's, uh, oh my God, what can, what's the red, the red bird? Robin? What, no. Cardinal? <laughs> Cardinal, yeah. That's, that's that might be ones. it, actually. Hold on. New Jersey state bird. Here, let's look up New Jersey state things. Jersey has a very respectable one. It's very obvious. It's the American goldfinch. Mm. Yeah, Love those. I really like goldfinches. They're really cute. Okay, hold on. Can we guess? We have a few minutes here. What is the state shell of New Jersey? This is from state.nj.us. The state shell. I feel like I can only name one single shell, which is a conch shell. Is that it? No, it's not. That's not it. Uh, I don't know any other shells. You're going to kick yourself when you hear this. It's the knobbed whelk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Of course, that one. What is the state microbe? We have state microbes now. I don't know. E. coli. (laughs) It's uh, streptomyces griseus. Okay. What's the state drink? What's the state beverage? That's like how Rhode Island's is coffee milk, which is really good. Is that true? Let's see. Do we have one? Actually, there's like coffee syrup that you put in milk and it's delicious. I don't see one on this page. Let's look. New Jersey state drink. Is there one? Okay. This says cranberry juice. The UTIs are too rampant in New Jersey, so they had to make it what make the fuck? The state okay, okay. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need to. I need to talk about this for a minute. According to state.nj.us, all right. The state fish is the brook trout. All right. The state shell is the knobbed whelk. The state bird is the eastern goldfish. Very specific stuff. The state animal, the horse. <laughs> is going on with not this. Even a specific, not even a specific kind of horse, horse, just the horse. We do this have a lot stupid. of horses in New Jersey. Sure, but can't just pick one. The Morgan, I don't know, <laughs> fucking pick a horse. This is dumb. I really love the way your voice is breaking on horse. I'm mad about that. This is, oh. The state dog is the seeing eye dog. Okay, I like where their heart is at there, but it's I not, like that. Yeah. I haven't heard them called seeing eye dogs. Or is that like, is a seeing eye dog like a specific breed and not just like, this is a, a working dog? This just says, I don't know if I trust this website. I don't know. Maybe they just picked a cool, cool dog. Like the horse. kind of dog. State animal. The horse. horse. Yeah. <laughs> What's your state animal, Jersey? I don't know, horse. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I was doing something. something else. All right. <laughs> um. I'll do my peaches very fast. We do the three of these every week and I don't do anything or go anywhere. So uh, uh, I saw coyotes this morning <laughs> mm-hmm. and it didn't look malnourished. Was it a big one? Was it a big one? 
I actually saw two coyotes this morning. Uh, neither of them were very big, but they were just loping around, chilling mm-hmm. cool. to the sound of Body Snatchers by Radiohead and oh, Mario nice. 64 sound font, <laughs> which is honestly a vibe. Second one, yesterday, Nick Cage is a survivor, came to DVD, Dead by Daylight, and it's just been a treat. His voice lines, they just let him into the booth and let him cook, and it's great. It really adds a lot to the game. It's highly enjoyable. And my third peach that I didn't write down is I got to see a little lizard at the beginning of this episode. Hell yeah. And it's really good for my mental health that I get to see a little lizard. Oh, oh, actually, wait, no. My birthday is next week. That's my third peach. That's a real yeah, one. Wait, wait, wait. August 4th. Uh, Bam. Yeah. And you will be good. 26? Indeed. Hell yeah. Indeed. Passing the quarter century mark. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing for that. I, uh, I gotta come up with something. I'll eat cheesecake in a in a trash can or something. Do you want to come over and hang out with a small lizard? Mm, tempting, mm-hmm. tempting. Did you see its little face? Oh, it's so cute. Oh, it's adorable. I I want the magnified image of lizard. Brian, yes. have you seen that that meme that's like a picture of a lizard and it's a bunch of Discord messages and it's like Henlo lizard, Henlo stinky lizard. You know no. what I'm talking about? Have <laughs> I have you seen not that? seen this. Hold on. Oh, I sound unhinged. If I say Henlo Discord, lizard. Discord. I think lizard I think you just need meme. to look up Henlo lizard. Okay, Henlo lizard. Yeah, it's a lizard looking at a screen. <laughs> oh, this. Uh, yes. a fly ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I think of when I see lizards. Yeah, that's pretty great. Okay, I like I, this. I also, this I one. never really noted about this image that the person sending the message is one rootin' tootin' motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same person. It's not rootin' tootin', it's rooting tooting. Yeah, which is a much different vibe. Rooting tooting is incredibly threatening. It really rootin is. Tootin', wow. Fine. Funky Fresh, like, howdy, yeehaw, rooting, tooting. is like, I know your address and I'm coming for you. Anyway, geez, what an episode. Karen, thank you so much for putting up with us and answering all of our puzzle questions. Yeah, thanks for having me. If people want to find videos of you doing puzzles and talking about puzzles, where can they go? Uh, they can just look up Karen Puzzles on uh, YouTube or Instagram or TikTok. Or Patreon, if you're like getting really into it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Or if you just look up like Jigsaw Puzzles on YouTube, you're going to see me. Oh, yeah. When I when I Googled like most difficult Jigsaw Puzzle, like you're the third <laughs> thing that came up. That's so great. Amazing. Great. Well, everybody at home, stay high. Don't. Uh, yeah, just stay. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Cru- crushing this outro as always. Yeah, folks at home, don't. (laughs) Don't. All right. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. (coughs) Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonNight at gmail.com.